welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who raised up St. Ignatius of Loyola in your church to further the greater glory of your name, grant that by his help we may imitate him in fighting the good fight on earth and merit to receive with him a crown in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. At the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word was addressed to Jeremiah by the Lord. The Lord says this, Stand in the court of the temple of the Lord to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the temple of the Lord. You must speak all the words I have commanded you to tell them. Do not omit one syllable. Perhaps they will listen and each turn from his evil way. If so, I shall relent and not bring the disaster on them, which I intended for their misdeeds. Say to them, the Lord says this, If you will not listen to me by following my law which I put before you, by paying attention to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I send so persistently to you, without your ever listening to them, I will treat this temple as I treated Shiloh, and make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. The priests and prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah say these words in the temple of the Lord. When Jeremiah had finished saying everything that the Lord had ordered him to say to all the people, the priests and prophets seized hold of him and said, You shall die. Why have you made this prophecy in the name of the Lord? This temple will be like Shiloh and this city will be desolate and uninhabited. And the people were all crowding round Jeremiah in the temple of the Lord. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. More numerous than the hairs on my head are those who hate me without cause. Those who attack me with lies are too much for my strength. How can I restore what I have never stolen? Lord, in your great love, answer me. It is for you that I suffer taunts, that shame covers my face, that I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my own mother's sons. 
I burn with zeal for your house, and taunts against you fall on me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. This is my prayer to you, my prayer for your favour. In your great love, answer me, O God, with your help that never fails. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Alleluia, alleluia. The word of the Lord stands forever. It is the word given to you, the good news. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Coming to his hometown, Jesus taught the people in their synagogue in such a way that they were astonished and said, Where did the man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? This is the carpenter's son, surely. Is not his mother the woman called Mary, and his brothers James and Joseph, and Simon and Jude? His sisters, too, are they not all here with us? So where did the man get it all? And they would not accept him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is only despised in his own country and in his own house. And he did not work many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so pity poor Jeremiah. He's been given a pretty terrible job to do. He needs to go to the temple in Jerusalem and condemn it. He's going to go and give a message that really doesn't want to be heard. So here's the message. The Lord says this, If you will not listen to me by following my law which I put before you, by paying attention to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I send so persistently to you, without you ever listening to them, I will treat this temple as I treated Shiloh and make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. Well, it asks the question then, what did God do in Shiloh? Well, for that, we need to do a little bit of biblical history. So Shiloh is a a town in sort of the northern part of Israel, um, and it comes up pretty quickly in the history of Israel. After the twelve tribes had fled from ex- after the twelve tribes had fled from captivity in Egypt, after their forty years of wandering in the desert, and then once they'd taken possession of the promised land, the tent of meeting, which had accompanied them through their forty-year journey, was kept, was now housed in Shiloh. Now, the tent of meeting, of course, this was the place where God would dwell among his people. And inside the tent of meeting, inside what was known as the tabernacle, was kept the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark, of course, was the definitive sign that God was among his people. And so, you know, from an early time, Shiloh was held as a shrine, as a holy place. Now, eventually, after the time of the judges and in the time of the kings of Israel, David moves the Ark of the Covenant to his new capital, to Jerusalem. And his son Solomon then eventually builds the great temple of Solomon as the new place to house the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And of course, Jerusalem now becomes the center of Israelite worship. Now, after Solomon comes his son, Rehoboam, uh, and he's a bit of a problem. Um, The ten tribes in the northern part of the kingdom, they rebel against Rehoboam and his pretty tyrannical ways. And they cause a split 
and bring in their own king. So you get the division now between the kingdom of Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. Now, of course, Jerusalem's in the south, the temple's in the south, and the people in the kingdom of the north, they're not going to be going down into Judah for their worship. So you get a new system of worship that begins in the northern kingdom of Israel, and that's where these old shrines are kind of reactivated, places like Shiloh and Bethel and Shechem. The first king of Israel, a bloke called Jeroboam, in fact, builds Two temples, one in Bethel and another in Dan. And you can see, like, this is to be an alternative to Jerusalem. Now, just as a little aside, remember in John's Gospel in the fourth chapter when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well? She asks him this question about where it's proper to worship God. Do you have to worship God in Jerusalem or can you worship him on this mountain where we're accustomed to worshipping him? And of course, Jesus says, don't worry about it because the time's coming when you won't worship God in either Jerusalem or on this mountain because we'll worship in spirit and in truth. Of course, Jesus is the one who is the center of worship, not some place. He is the one who is the temple, the true presence of God amongst his people. All right, close that parenthesis. Let's go back to the kingdom of Israel. Israel kind of has a split in its religion. This northern kingdom, it worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it also introduces the worship of Baal, the worship of the neighboring gods. And Israel falls to idolatry. And, you know, we've heard of these prophets that speak to the northern kingdom and call the northern kingdom back to faithfulness to God, in fact, only recently we've been reading from the prophet Hosea, who was, you know, one of those prophets to the northern kingdom. But what happens? The Assyrians come and they crush the northern kingdom. That's what happened to Shiloh. So what's Jeremiah's message now? If you will not listen to me by following my law which I put before you by paying attention to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I send so persistently to you without ever listening to them. I will treat this temple as I treated Shiloh and make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. Now, fancy standing in the middle of Jerusalem in the temple and proclaiming God's word of judgment over the temple. And, you know, we can see what happens. You know, this message is not well received. The temple priests and the temple prophets, you know, the ones who actually don't speak in God's name, unlike Jeremiah, they say you'll die, that you've declared a prophecy against the temple and that that's blasphemous. How strange that the word of God would be considered blasphemous, or at least by those who do not recognize the voice of the Lord. Here's the thing, though. Jeremiah is actually doing them all a favor. He's warning them of the danger of idolatry. He's warning them of what happens when they turn away from the law, turn away from God. But they don't want to hear it. And, you know, you see this happening exactly in the gospel now as well. A prophet is never accepted in his own town. 
Why is that? Because a prophet at the end of the day has got something to say that people generally don't want to hear because it's a warning. It's a calling to greater faithfulness. But at the end of the day, it's good news. It's pointing towards the source of life and pointing away from that which causes exile and destruction. And no one's exempt from that call to faithfulness. Not the temple priests, not the temple prophets, not the temple itself. Now, I suppose we know the story. Uh, The people of Judah, they don't turn back to the Lord. And what happens? Jerusalem is treated like Shiloh. And so is the temple. The Babylonians come and they destroy both and carry the best and brightest into exile in Babylon. Now, this doesn't serve as a history lesson because Jeremiah is speaking also to us. It's a warning about the consequences of turning away from God. And it's not because God is grumpy or God wants to punish us, but if you turn your back on the source of life, don't be surprised if what you find is an absence of life. If you turn your back on the God who loves you, don't be surprised if you find the absence of love. If you turn your back on God who is our home, don't be surprised if you find exile and alienation. Those who were called to repentance responded to Jeremiah with aggression, just as the people of Nazareth responded to Jesus with aggression. So I suppose here comes the question for us. What is it that we really don't want to hear? What is it that we respond to aggressively when we hear it proclaimed to us and we feel judged? We need to make sure that we're not like the priests and prophets of the temple who actually reject the word of God because they don't like it and it asks them to change. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. 
May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.